everything on over. Hey, good morning. I know, stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up. Now, don't sit down yet. Y'all ever heard somebody say one day? One day. Or how about this, someday. You know, there's always a lot of one day and someday. Can we take those two words and chunk them out of here this morning? Come on, let's step over into today. Amen? Turn to a few people and say, today is your miracle. Come on now. Today, tell them. Get out, get out a little bit. Fist bump somebody. And tell them, today, today, today is your miracle. We'll go get out of this someday deal. Now you can be seated. Man, it's good to be here. Always an honor. And, uh, man, I just got back in the country this week. Last weekend, I was preaching down in New Orleans. And, <laughs> you know, New Orleans ought to be a different country. South Louisiana. Maybe the whole state of Louisiana ought to be a different country. And, uh, yeah, Paul's all for the Pastor Paul's all for that. We'll just, just, we'll just get out of the United States and just be Louisiana. But we had a, we, we had a good time down there and, uh, always love going down there, West Point Church. But anyway, we're back and, uh, glad to be here this weekend. Got my, got my wife with me. Amen. Stand up. Give them the wave. Y'all give her a hand clap. Looking all good and everything. Go James Brown on y'all. She looked good. Amen. You know, um, I guess since 2003, we've been in about 50 churches a year. That's a lot of churches in 20 years. And so, you know, you know every kind of pastor there is. You know, they're all they're all different and, you know, and all of them have their strengths and they all have their weaknesses. And but, you know, there's certain things about pastors that when they have, it kind of stands out to me. And it's not their preaching. I mean, I know a lot of them that can preach and and that's great, but that's not what stands out to me. What stands out to me is probably three things the most. When I meet a pastor, number one, that they're they're real vision oriented, they're they're front windshield. Come on, everything is where we're going, not where we've been. Amen? They never, no, no plateaus, no stuck, no ruts. Come on, vision, everybody say visionary. And I'm, I'm telling you, it's rare. It's rare. I don't, I don't even want to go down that road. You get me stirred up. Visionary. Number two is, is they, they have a, they have a heart for the world. And, and you would think, Pastor Paul, that that, that I would see that everywhere, but, that's not the case. There are just certain pastors that they just don't talk the talk. They walk the walk and they have a heart for the world and uh, they don't just live for their little bubble. And then number three is um, it really impresses me when I see pastors and they've, over a course of time, they've raised up these quality leaders around them. It is so rare to find a pastor who doesn't want it to be all about them. And they want, they want more people to carry the weight of the church. And when I look at pastors Greg and Angel and I, just so many of you, and you got Joel and Serena out there and then it just the praise and worship team and all your leaders, then that, that it's just so rare and I'm so blessed and and I'll, I'll I'll see all those three things in Pastor Paul and Pastor Ginger. Amen. Come on, get stand up and give them a hand clap. Y'all are blessed, 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 blessed. They got the trifecta. 
Amen. Praise God. I love them. Appreciate them. They're uh, they're the exception to the rule when it comes to having having those three things. Hey, I just wanted to share a few things with you before we get into the word because you you guys are family. You know, since we saw you last, man, we took you know that path marriage seminar that we've been doing now for I don't know fifteen twenty years in churches. We've done it here before, different nations. This last year, it, it got turned into a 30-minute TV show. And it went on Kingdom Broadcasting Network that's all over the world. And then another network came to us, Kingdom Insight TV. And they said, we don't have anything like that on our network. Can y'all, can y'all, can y'all come? And that goes all over the world. And then two weeks ago, it just debuted on the Now Network. 237 million homes all over the world, satellites and cable and... It's just, Laura and I are picking a fight. Yeah, 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 picking a fight. He said, well, what's the fight you're picking? I'm sick and tired of all the demonic attack on marriages today. Everything about our world is tearing away at the fabric of family. Can I get an amen? How many of y'all seen that around here? Well, we're we going to do something about it. And so it's called The Path TV and... It's every week it's playing, but listen, all those episodes, there's, I think, 40 of them now that are on our YouTube channel. And so, uh, it's just PBM Phillips Space Baker. Go over there, find us on YouTube, subscribe, and all those, it's 30 minutes, just Laura and I, marriage and family, and it'll really be a blessing to you. And here's the thing, the reason I'm telling you is because y'all are a part of that. We wouldn't be able to do what we do without the churches and the businesses and the people that, that partner with us. So everywhere we go around the world, whether it's flesh or TV, you guys are a part of that. Amen? Amen. Hey, after the service is over, Laura, she'll be back there at the table. And uh, make sure and sign up for the Daily Move. It's just a little email. How many of you get the Daily Move? Anybody get the Daily Move? Got some hands going up. It's just a little email. It's free. Name and email. Write legibly so she don't have to pray in the Holy Ghost to, you know, interpret your handwriting. Uh, you know, some of you just have chicken scratches. And, uh, you know, I, I wonder how many people have not got the Daily Move that signed up because we couldn't. Laura's like, what is that? I don't know what that is. That's like a foreign language. That's Latin or something. I don't know. Um, but the Daily Move, if you want to partner with us, grab a packet. Both books are out there, and you can get both of them for $20. The Move, From the Shallows into the Deep, and then The Build, which is our newest book. Leadership Builds God's Churches, Ministries in Your Life. And so those are back there. But uh, there's these six bags that are back there. And those bags are special to me, first of all. When you sow and you grab hold of one of those bags, you're helping us with the Daily Move, the Path TV, all those churches. We were supposed to be we were supposed to be flying out to Bulgaria Tuesday. We we're going to do a big pastors conference there, and they shut it down. COVID shut it down. We could have went, but then we'd had to stay in a hotel room for ten days. No, thank you. And so we're going to put that off till the spring. But when you get a hold of that bag, you're helping us with that, uh, and then. There's something, uh, I'm going to show this to you, and you're going to say, why don't all ministries do that? I don't know. They should. But everything we've ever done, every media, every CD series, there's 16 of them, about $700 worth of stuff, we put on that flash drive. And a uh, little USB stick. And you just pop it in your computer, your Mac, your vehicle. If it's got a USB port, boom, it goes in it, and you turn your computer, your house, your car into a Bible school. And so uh, it's just a $100 seed. But then 
you're good ground to sow into. So we put both books in the bag. And so we want to give those to you. So there's six bags. When they're gone, they're gone. And Laura will take care of you. And cash, card, check, whatever floats your boat. And uh, let's finish out the year strong. Amen. I'm going to tell you right now, I've never been more excited about what's going on in America. I'm not down. I'm excited. You say, why? Where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. Come on, what Satan is meant for evil, God is going to turn it for the good. All right, Satan's played his hand, right, Pastor Paul? Satan's played his hand. We're fixing to watch God play his. And it is going to be glorious. And I don't know about you, but I'm going to be right in the middle of it. Is the Christian church at Menden going to be right in the middle of it? Are you going to be right in the middle of it? Amen. And so, hey, uh, amazing things are about to happen. One more thing. Uh, would it offend anybody this morning if you got healed? You wouldn't get mad? Come on, if you got healed this morning and you walked out of here pain-free, would that be okay? I mean, that'd be a good day, wouldn't it? That'd be a good day. You know, let's get you healed. Let's get you healed even if you don't want to get healed. Sometimes people don't want to get healed. They wouldn't have anything to talk about. Uh, Scooby-Doo. ruh row. Come on, we're going to get you healed and mess up your little red wagon. You're going to have to find something else to complain about. Come on. I want to get you healed this morning. I want you pain-free. I want you come no soreness in your body. No stiffness. I want you healed. Have y'all ever seen those uh, oil slicks? And, you know, they'll dump that oil in the water and, and then, you know, those birds, right? How many of you have those images? Those birds that get all that oil on them? You know, there's, there, there's a lot of people here this morning, that's, that's what you look like. You're this beautiful bird and you got all this sludge on you. It's pain, it's soreness, stiffness, it's inflammation. Come on, it's injury. Can't see it with the physical eye, but it's it's there in your back. Come on, it's there in your shoulder. It's there in your knees. It's there in your elbows. It's that it's that arthritis you deal with. Come on, it, it's that it's that it's that gunk. But you know, and, and what they'll do is they'll take that they'll take that Dove dishwashing liquid, you know, and that and they they start washing it off, right? They start washing it off. They start washing it out. That's what God wants to do to you this morning. He wants to wash it off. He wants to wash it out. And you walk out of here good to go. Take the best nap this this afternoon. Come on now. Don't have to get up tomorrow and take a bunch of a leave and Tylenol and Advil and come on Motrin. uh, Does that sound good to anybody? I'm talking people's language right now. Come on, you talk to somebody this week and they go, hey, how's your, how's your, how's your, your, your blank doing? How's your back doing? How's your, you're going to be, I, 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 you're not going to believe it, but I'm telling you, I went to church Sunday and I got healed. I hadn't heard since. Would that be all right with you? Just always remember, you know, you do have a part to play. So you know what that means? I got to tell you my story. And every time I come, I tell this story. Next time I come, what am I, what am I going to do? I'm set free from the real fear of repetition. And Laura could get up and tell this story as good as I can. I don't care. Every time I tell this story, people get healed. This story is supernatural. There's an anointing on it. 
It's like a it's like a door opens up and healing floods the area as soon as I tell this story. How many of me tell this story? There was a lady, and she was sitting right back there. Pink cat right back there, right where right where he's at. Now it wasn't this church. Every church has right back over there, and uh, right over there. And uh, her daughter came up to me. She said, "Would you come pray for my mama?" It was after church, and I said, sure. So I walked back there, and her, her knee was messed up. She had a chair turned around. Anybody got a bad knee this morning? Anybody got a bad knee? Uh, you won't after this service is over. I had a lady down in Falfurious, Texas, had two knees, bone on bone. Been hurting for years, as long as she could remember. God healed both knees. She running around that place. Anyway, so I go back there, and I'm praying for her, and the Lord spoke to me and said, watch her, I'm going to show you something. She's a real sweet lady. So I'm praying and I'm watching. The Bible says watch and pray. And so I get through praying and I'm, I'm watching and she's real sweet. And she says, Brother Phil, thank you so much for praying for me. I really enjoyed the service. And I'm just like, all right, what am I, what am I? Okay, I'm watching, I'm watching, I'm watching. And then I saw something and it changed my life. I never forgot it. it one of the most greatest gifts God's ever given me. He said, what'd you see? She didn't move her knee. She didn't move her knee. You know why she didn't move her knee? She didn't believe she was healed. What would she have done if she had believed she was healed? She would have moved it around, right? But see, she didn't want to be healed. She just wanted me to pray for her. Welcome to the show. Been in the show my whole life called church. I don't care about the show. I'm not here to pray for you. I want you healed. I'm not, I'm not Mr. Sympathy. I am Mr. Compassion, but I'm not Mr. Sympathy. I'm not here to pat you on the back. I want you. But in order for you to be healed, you're going to, have to do what that woman didn't do. When God heals you, your neck, how, how are you going to know? Your shoulder, how will you know? Your back, how will you know? Come on, lumps, knots, how will you know? What will, each, each one of you have a different answer. What will you have to do to find out you're healed? You've got to move it. You've got to check it. Sometimes you can't do things publicly. You've got to go to the bathroom. Hello? Sometimes you won't know till you get home. I mean, we've had people go home and check their blood sugar and it was normal. Brother Philip, I sure hope you're right. Something supernatural is going to happen this morning. When all you've got is just hope, and you don't transition out of that hope, and you've just got hope, what will happen is you'll begin to prepare yourself to be disappointed. Finish the statement. Well, we don't want to get our hopes to. Every minute that goes by in this service, your hope is going to transition out of hope into faith. So how will I know? You won't be preparing yourself to be disappointed at the end of the service. You're going to be getting excited. Because you know that pain has got an expiration date. And it's today. Amen. Turning your Bible over to John 2. John the second chapter. I'm going to share something with you today that it um, means a lot to me. 
It's uh, I love John the, the second chapter. I've been preaching out of John 2 for years and years and years. There's a CD series on that flash drive called The Jesus Realm. And so much of that series comes out of John 2. Um, there's a lot of different reasons. Let me just kind of hit some highlights of this chapter because we love to read. Everybody say, read the Word! Y'all know this uh, this story. Y'all watched it. Uh, on a, it was a whole episode of The Chosen, so you know what we're talking about. Now, verse 1, it says, In the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee. Verse 2, Jesus was called in His disciples. Verse 3, they wanted wine. And the mama, mama came to Jesus and said, They have no rut row. We don't run out of wine. Jesus said, Woman, what have I to do with you? His mother said, Whatever He says unto you, do it. In verse 5. Verse 6, there were six water pots. Jesus said, verse 7, fill them up. Verse 8, he said, draw out now and bear it unto the governor of the feast. Go take the first drink to the most important person in the whole room. And when the ruler of the feast had tasted the water. Oh, I love what he said in verse 10. He goes, listen. He said, I've been to so many weddings, it's ridiculous. He said, everybody brings out the good wine at the beginning. And then when everybody gets drunk, come on now. They get slobber knockered. Then they bring out the bad wine. Everybody's too drunk to know it. He said, but you guys, come on, help me. Y'all have saved the best wine until the last. And I love verse 11. This is the beginning of miracles. Did Jesus in Cain of Galilee. And he manifested his glory and his disciples believed on him. There's been so many miracles at the Christian church at Minden. But can we believe God for a new season of miracles? That it begins today. Come on, that a, that a great season of miracles is over. And a greater season of miracles begins. Are we okay with that? Come on, lift your hand if we're in agreement. Because there's something to unity, right? Everybody say, I agree. Everybody say, everybody say Philip, preach that. Alright, I got permission. I love that story. There's different reasons why. Uh, I've preached all this before. Number one, I love it because it shows the heart of the Father. You know, in the Old Testament... Uh, you know, Moses turned water into blood, right? Judgment, the law, right? Blood. But in the New Testament, Jesus comes along, he turns water into wine. Come on, we got love, we got grace, we got a new covenant. Instead of blood, wine. Jesus came to give us life and life more. The first miracle he did, he turned water into wine at a wedding. Shows you the heart of the Father. Shows you the heart of Jesus. Another reason I love this chapter is because in the most simplistic of terms, it tells you what a miracle is. What is a miracle? The last thing you want to do is go to the Webster Dictionary and look up that definition. You're going to hear something so complicated, you won't be able to remember it 30 seconds later. It's just a bunch of mumbo-jumbo that some intellectual idiot made up and put in a dictionary. makes no sense whatsoever. This tells you what a miracle is. What, what is. what does it tell us? All a miracle is is when God turns your dirty water into wine. Anybody got some dirty water in your life? Come on. Relationships, finances, come on, something going on in your body, something going on in your emotions. You got some dirty water? Man, a miracle is when God turns it into wine. Now, if He turns dirty water into clean water, that's a healing. But when He turns dirty water into wine... That's a miracle. All a miracle is is when God turns your this into a that. Anybody got a this you want to get rid of? <laughs> Laura and I got some this. We want God to turn it into that. 
Anybody got uh, a miracle is when God turns something you don't want into something you do want. Does anybody got something you don't want? God turn it into what I do want. Here, 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 here's probably the best one. When God turns something that Satan meant for your destruction into something for his glory. Amen. Come on, Joel and Serena sitting there in that, in that hospital room. God's turning it. He's turning it. He's turning her this into that. He's turning what she don't want into something that he, that she does want. She's turn, God's turning what Satan meant for her destruction into something for his glory. A miracle is taking place. I mean, you got want God to do that in your life. God turns, come on, mission fields into missionaries, sinners into saints. He can turn your debt into abundance. He can turn you from a captive into a deliverer. He can turn you from a watcher into a worshiper. Ooh, come on now. Yeah. He can turn a, he can turn a sea into a barren road. He can turn a barren womb into a nation. We serve a miracle working God. Another reason why I love that chapter so much is because of the very rude statement Jesus made. You know, that's what drew me to the chapter, Paul, was how Jesus responded to Mama. Mama comes up to him, they have no wine. And what did he say? Woman, what have I to do with you? Has anybody else ever wondered about that? That statement? How many of you, if you would have talked that way to your mama? Right? You'd have woke up next week. Right? What is all that about? And he didn't say, woman, what have I to do with this situation? No, he said, what have I to do with you? That always kind of bothered me. Now, I knew I was wrong to be bothered. I knew if I could see it the way... God sees it, I would be okay with it. But I, Holy Ghost, you're going to have to help me. And I remember when he showed me what was that, what that was all about, he changed my life. You know, remember the story in uh, Luke, the second chapter, Jesus went AWOL? Remember he disappeared? You know, they were on their way back to uh, Galilee and, and jailbreak. They had to travel back four days to Jerusalem because he was, you know, he was gone. Right? And where was he? Twelve years old, where was he? He's in the temple talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And when Mama found him, can you imagine what that moment was like, Mama's? Part, part of her wanted to hug his neck off. The other part of her wanted to wear. Y'all know. She's caught between, you know, the two. What did, what did Jesus say? He said, don't you know I must be about my father's business? Oh, that was a focused little 12-year-old. Right? In the days that we're living in, you going to let a 12-year-old Jesus be more focused than you? Yeah, but Brother Philip, he was the Christ. 12. He was Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah. 12. You ever been around a 12-year-old? Come on, anybody got a 12-year-old? Anybody ever had a 12-year-old? Remember when Izzy was 12? Come on now, 12. Sweet baby Jesus. We're so glad she's been delivered from 12. Come on. Now, he said, well, I'm sure he was probably the most mature little 12 year old you'd ever met in your life, but he's still 12. You're going to let a 12 year old Jesus be more focused than you? Now, if he was that focused at 12, how focused was he at 30? 
Now see, that's what she ran into that day. His assignment has changed. He's in a new season. He ain't her little boy no more. He's not the carpenter's son anymore. He's not the son of Joseph and Mary anymore. He's the son of God. He's got the whole weight of the world, past, present, and future, riding on his shoulders. He's got a very short amount of time to do everything the Lord had told him to do, raise up 12 disciples, because he knows Calvary's coming. He'd been filled with the Holy Ghost. John 5, 19, the Son can do nothing of Himself but what He sees the Father do. At that point, every minute of His day was in obedience to the Father, and the Father hadn't said anything to Him about that wine problem. He was the most focused 30-year-old in the history of the world. And if there was ever an hour for us to be focused, it's in this hour. This is not the hour for you to be distracted. This is the hour to be laser focused on the kingdom, on being who God's called us to be, doing what God's called us to do, our assignment, our calling. Come on, coming together and doing something bigger than we could ever do on our own. And I tell you what, this is not the hour to be distracted by all the stuff that's created such damage in God's people. Listen, I understand that everybody for the last two years has been under a lot of pressure. Pressure. Everything about this country. Pressure. Financial pressure. Physical. Just just pressure. How many times have you coughed over the last two years and you thought you had COVID? Come on, you start feeling weird and you start going, oh my God, do I have COVID? Pressure. Warfare. Just demonic warfare. Anybody felt like you've been attacked by the enemy a couple of times over the last year? And then just good old-fashioned people. What's that scripture in Ecclesiastes 100 verse 53? You know, people be crazy. Does that be all right? There's a, there's a scripture in there, Pastor Paul. People be crazy. Second book of, second book of ignorance. People be crazy. Have you been around some crazy people? And all that, all that stuff, it creates damage. And that damage distracts us from what's going on right now. And what our focus should be upon. And we're not as focused as a 12 year old Jesus was. Shoot, we're not as focused as a 5 year old Jesus. Damage, damage, damage. Can I tell y'all, we're all experts on our damage. Every one of you have a fifth degree black belt in damage. If I interviewed y'all and I said, hey, could you get up and, and talk a little bit today? And, and get up and around, you'd be like, oh my God, I just couldn't do that. I just faint. There's no way. No, 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 don't ask me, don't ask me, don't ask me. Some of you would just lose your mind if somebody gave you a microphone and told you to speak. But, but. If I said, hey, I want you to come up here and tell the story about how somebody did you wrong, how somebody stabbed you in the back, how somebody broke a promise to you, how somebody hurt you, how somebody hurt your feelings, how somebody, come on, uh, uh, stole something from you. Come up here and tell us what happened. Y'all would all turn into T.D. Jake. You'd walk up here like a John Wayne. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. And with, I mean, you turn into one of the greatest orators in the history of the world. 
You'd be like, it was five years ago. It was a Tuesday. It was three o'clock. Wind was coming from the north, from the south. It was 53 degrees outside. And they said, blah, blah, blah. And then I said, blah, blah, blah. And then they said, blah, blah, blah. And I said, blah, blah, blah. And then they said, blah, blah, blah. It hurt me so much. It just hurt me so much. I just, mm, and I felt, mm, you, uh. and I mean, you would just, it would flow out of you like rivers of dead water. And all this emotion would start coming out. And we'd be wondering, you know, I wonder if that, when did that happen? Did that happen like this last week? And you'd be like, no, Evan, like when I was five. Everybody say damage. You know, we're all experts at the damage done to us, but it's amazing how uh, we don't care too much about the damage done through us. See, the damage done to us, we always magnify it. It becomes everything. Come on, we, we replay all that stuff over and over and over. And every time you're in a bad mood and somebody squeezes you, it comes out. But the damage done through us to others, we minimize it. Angel, it's really not that big of a deal. You know, they totally took me wrong. They need to be more mature. I mean, give me a break. If they, if they knew the kind of day I was having, they would be so ashamed that they feel the, about that the way, huh? The damage done to us, it's always demonically inspired. I'm telling you right now, Satan's using that person to hurt me. They are being used by the devil to come against me and my home and my, and it, it's, it's demonic. Satan, I rebuke you in the authority of the name of Jesus. Take your hands off of them. The damage done through us to others, it was always an unfortunate accident. Is an accident. I didn't mean to. If they knew my heart. If they knew what kind of day I was having. The damage done uh, to us, I'm telling you right now, it's going to require complete accountability on your part. We're going to need to sit down. And I'm going to need to walk you through everything you did and everything you said and how it affected me and my family and my finances and my health and everybody in my life. And I'm going to need individual apologies (laughs) for it all. And then I'm so super spiritual that I'm going to forgive you. We're not going to be friends anymore, but I'm going to forgive you. (laughs) The damage done through us to others, it needs to be easily forgiven and forgotten. No, no, no. I told you I was sorry and that's it. No, no, no. We're not going to sit down and have a conversation about that. I said I was sorry. And if you're the Christian that you say you are, you'll forgive me and you'll never bring it up again. Y'all smell it? I smell it. It's the it's the odor of hypocrisy. You say, what does hypocrisy smell like? Do that. Yeah, that's this is it. <laughs> See, you're everybody here. We're all sitting here, and you got these memories of how somebody outside of this building hurt you. But there's people somewhere in another building. 
And they're sitting there with memories of how you hurt them. We're all sitting here and people have said incredibly stupid stuff to us. And it hurt us. But every one of you, including me, we have said stupid stuff to people and it hurt them. We need to get all that damage under the blood because it is a distraction. We need to get all that damage under the blood. Now, I went back to this story here a while back, and I really felt like there was something I had missed. There's something I had missed. And when I saw it, it just put a big smile on my face, and I knew that God was going to use me for a season to really bring this to the churches in a greater measure. Anybody been to a wedding here recently? Been to a wedding, yeah, a wedding, a wedding, a wedding. You know, a wedding is definitely a celebration. And if I was to ask you, you know, what's it a celebration of? What's the word that most, you know, defines a wedding? Probably the easiest answer would be love. But not, not really. The love was already there. Come on. The love was, the, the love was there before the wedding, hence the wedding. Right? And then the love's going to be there after the wedding, hopefully, in the name of Jesus. Got a lot of, I think these days more people are more passionate about the wedding than they are the marriage. Come on, bada bing, bada boom, right? Really what a wedding is all about is this word called honor. You put that image up, do y'all have this word called honor? Everybody say honor. Honor, honor, honor. Think about it for a second. Y'all went to the wedding. You go to a wedding and the bride and groom are being honored. Uh, Pastor, how many weddings have you done? And every time you do a wedding, you're the preacher and you're, ever, you're walking around and everybody knows who you are and you're being honored. Everybody, there's a head table. And everybody's at the head table and they're being and then you got the best man, you got the maid of honor, and, and because they have those positions, they're, they're honored. Then you got the, the groomsmen, you got the bridesmaids, and they're honored. And then you got the families, you, you right? You got mom and daddy and mom and daddy, you got grandmas, and you got, you got all these two families, and, and they're being honored. And then everybody that was invited, they feel so honored to be there. And there was no difference between, between this wedding. Every, everything about this wedding was honor. Everybody was being honored. The bride and groom, the families. Even Mary was being honored. She had some sort of authority at the wedding or she couldn't have told the servants what to do and they did it. So honor was everywhere. But we got trouble right here in River City. All that honor is fixed to get turned on its head. All that honor is fixed to get flushed down the toilet. Why? Because they've run out of wine. Now, that may not be a big deal in this culture, but in that culture, they prepared for a long time for one of these weddings. And they're supposed to have enough and more than enough. And the last thing you wanted to do in that culture was run out of anything, especially wine. And if they would have run out of wine, all that honor gets flipped on its head. And now the bride and groom are going to be dishonored. And now the families are going to be dishonored. And the governor of the feast is going to feel dishonored. And then Mary's going to be dishonored. And then everybody that was there is going to feel dishonored. All that honor is going to get turned into dishonor. But then what did Jesus do? He 
stepped in. And he took all this honor and he took it to a level we've never seen before. There's only six water pots in existence that we've been talking about for 2,000 years. (laughs) And it's those six water pots in that story. The most famous wine in the history of the world is what? That wine. 2,000 years we're still talking about it. And the most famous wedding in the history of the world is the wedding at the, come on, Canaan. They're still making TV shows about it. Come on, a preacher 2,000 years later still preaching about it. Up in heaven, there's a couple, and they're walking around with t-shirts on, and on the back it says, we're the, we're that couple. <laughs> and 2,000 years, they just walking around. There's only two people in all of heaven. It's just this guy, man, and people walk up to him and they go, oh my gosh, you're the couple? Wedding can't, yes, we are. Could you tell us about what happened? I would love to. For 2,000 years, they've been telling what happened that day. We're the couple. They're famous in heaven. You'll get to meet them one day. And you're going to walk up to them and go, you're the couple from Cana Galilee. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I've been reading your story for years. And I remember one time a preacher, his name was Philip Baker. He's up here somewhere. And he told us all about you and that we were going to meet you one day. OMG, this is incredible. He took it to another level, didn't he? So this miracle... God turned this into that. He turned dirty water into wine. He turned what you don't want into something you do want. He turned what Satan meant for your destruction into something for His glory. Where did this miracle happen? It happened in an atmosphere of honor. Come on, honor is the atmosphere for miracles. And if we want a greater season of miracles to take place, and I think it's needed more than ever, then we're going to have to take honor to another level. What is honor? It's, uh, it's esteeming someone highly. But one of the greatest uh, definitions is something God gave Laura. We, we teach it in the marriage seminars when we talk about how a woman should honor her husband. And what Laura tells the ladies is honor is not stumbling over who your husband isn't, but celebrating him for who he is. But can't we do that with everybody? Come on, come on, come on, not stumbling over who Greg is not, but celebrating who he is. Because listen, we're all not and we all are. Huh? Let's take honor to another level, but let's be more specific. Could we do a better job of honoring each other? Come on, we come to church and we honor each other. We honor people. We honor their life. We honor their story. We honor what they did right. We've honored what they did wrong because they learned from what they did wrong and they're better people today. We, we honor people. We honor their story. Come on, can't we do a better job of honoring people? We could do a better job of honoring the gifts that God's placed in the church. That's right. We need to honor Pastor Paul and Pastor Ginger Moore. Yeah, but, but listen, we're, we're, we're honoring them first as people. But then it's the gifting. But are they the only gifting in the church? No, every one of you have a gifting. That doesn't mean you're an apostle, prophet, evangelist, a teacher. But you have a gifting. There's there's prayer warriors. There's business people. Come on, there's there's givers. There's there's servers. There's worshipers. There's musical. Every one of you have a gifting from God. 
You have an, you have an anointing. You have a ministry. You have, a, you have something that God's given you to leave the kingdom better than how you found it. So come on, right? Shouldn't, couldn't we do a better job of honoring the giftings in each other? And let's don't be jealous of the giftings in one another. How about we do a better job of honoring the moment? Everybody just be real still. Look around. Look at where everybody's sitting. Kind of get a good glimpse of where everybody's at right now. What you're thinking, what, what you're looking at right now, this is a snowflake moment. This moment will never happen again. Where I'm standing, where you're sitting, what I'm preaching, this is a snowflake. It's never existed before. It'll never exist again. The church needs to do a better job of honoring the moment. This is not just another service. This is not just another message. This is not just another Sunday. This is not just an opportunity for me to check the box and feel good about myself because I went to church on Sunday. When you begin to honor the moment, that's when the glory comes. This is a snowflake. What if we brought that to every service? You'd see the glory poured out in incredible ways. Could we do a better job of honoring Jesus? He, he, he's who it's all about, right? You say, but what about the Father? If you honor the people, you're honoring the Father. If you honor giftings, you're honoring the Father. If you honor the moment, you're honoring the Father. If you honor Jesus, you're honoring the Father. But let me reverse it. If you're not honoring people, you're not honoring the Father. You're dis- oh, let's, oh, I didn't say that right. If you're, if you're dishonoring people, you're dishonoring the Father. If you're dishonoring giftings, you're dishonoring the Father. If you're dishonoring the moment, you're dishonoring the Father. If you're dishonoring Jesus, you're dishonoring the Father. Let me read this, what God gave me. Honor is the ground that miracles come forth from. Honor is the air that miracles breathe and come to life. Honor is the river that miracles move in. Come on, stand to your feet. You play track one. Honor the moment. This is a moment. It's a moment. It's a moment. We're in a moment. We're in a moment. A little lower. We're in a moment. We're in a moment. This time last year, I was, um, they, they caught me by surprise. I, I, I was celebrating 30 years of ministry. I was preaching in my home church and they had put together a video of all these pastors from around the world and, and sent a video in. It was this video montage and but I look up and uh Jaime and Stephanie Gonzalez were there. They pastor down in Edinburgh and I preach for them every year and uh, six hours away and they were there at the service. Uh, 
And then I look over and there's there's Dennis and Jan Hill, who I've been preaching for for 20 years in LaGrange, Texas. And they left their church on a Sunday morning and drove over and they were there. And then and then I look up and there's there's Paul and. uh, It was such an honor. But my heart. I wish that I hope I won't. I wish all of us would be a time in our life where we all feel that way. Somebody once said that every person once in their life deserves a standing ovation. Honor is a river. It's air. It's ground. Shouldn't shouldn't that ground and that air and that river always be in our churches? It's the atmosphere for miracles. Every once in a while on the news you'll hear... Uh, somebody went on a killing spree. And then you men, you know, you married men, sometimes you'll say, hey, my wife, she went on a shopping spree. (laughs) Ginger says Paul went on a shopping spree. How about we go on an honor spree? How about we go on an honor spree? Brother Phil, but I just don't feel. Doesn't the Word of God say, whatever you sow, you shall? Get to sowing it. You'll reap it. Stop stumbling, stumbling over who people aren't and start celebrating who they are. All of you. You've done more than you'll ever know. Anybody ever heard of Edward Kimball? Edward Kimball? You need to hear of him. He was a Sunday school teacher. He's just a person, just like anybody else in here. Nobody's really ever heard of him. His name was Edward Kimball. He walked into a shoe store one day. There's this young kid. He started loving on him, ministering to him. The boy got born again, became an evangelist. His name was D.L. Moody. Moody won people all over the world. D.L. Moody was doing a, a service, and uh, th- this guy walked in, and he was, his name was Wilbur Chapman, and Wilbur Chapman got saved, and, and he became an evangelist, and he wound up preaching everywhere. And then Wilbur Chapman was doing a, a crusade, and this, this, this uh, professional baseball player walked in, and he got saved, called into the ministry. His name was Billy Sunday, and he wound up preaching all over Ain't no telling how many people were born again because of Billy Sunday. And then Billy Sunday was doing a, a crusade, and another young kid walked in, and he got born again, called into the ministry, and his name was Mordecai Ham. And Mordecai Ham preached everywhere. Ain't no telling how many born, people were born again because of Mordecai Ham. But then he was doing a crusade in Charlotte, North Carolina. And this 16-year-old, sandy-haired, tall kid came walking in, got saved, got called into the ministry, wound up growing up and preaching to over a billion people. Might have heard of him. His name was Billy Graham. I'm looking at a room full of Edward Kimballs. I'm looking at you with honor in my eyes. Stop letting damage define you. Get it all under the blood. Let's get focused. And let's do something big for the kingdom. Every head bowed, every eye closed.
In just a moment, we're going to come down to the altar in one song, one song.